Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, December the 27th, 2023. It is currently 3.02 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, before we know it, before we know it, it's going to be 2024. You've heard me say that now over and over in a number of broadcasts. You've heard me say that over and over because, well, it's just, it's a fact. It's going to be 2024. And the one thing that I'm not a fan of necessarily is making some kind of new, new year's resolutions that I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to resolve to do this. And I, I don't necessarily like to do that. I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll try to have like, here's my goal. Here's what I'm going to try to do. I sometimes will state that, but I try to be very careful how I word it because we all know what happens. New Year's resolutions turn into what? <laughs> By February, forgotten ideas, forgotten things, and it just tends to lead to more feelings of failure and frustration. Now, I have no problem attempting to say, I want to try this, right? I, I think it's okay to say, I'm going to try this. And I'm, I mean, I may, I may, but you kind of have some kind of expectation that you may not see it through, but, but then that's kind of, then you're giving yourself a way out, right? So we could go back and forth the, the good in doing that or the bad in doing that. But I typically somewhat kind of avoid that to a certain degree. There's always a part of it. I mean, it's impossible. I know it's just numbers on a calendar, right? I just know, you know, it's 2023, then you wake up the next day, it's 2024, right? The only thing that changes is numbers on a calendar, right? It goes from December to January. But but it signifies, I think, I think in our minds, it signifies something far more significant than maybe it actually is, but it's impossible as you see the, the calendar kind of winding down, right? And you're like, okay, okay, okay. The, the, the sand is about to come all the way through the hourglass and you're going to have to flip it back over to start a new year. When you know that you're fast approaching the end of a year, it's almost impossible not to kind of see it as, okay, a start over, a do over. I'm going to do this better. It's, it's impossible not to think that way. Some of you may be very good at not doing that, but it's almost impossible. I know we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, but it's impossible not to do that. I think it's all how we approach it. We don't want it to be a detrimental thing. We want it to be a positive thing. We want it to be a positive thing. So I've been thinking of something that I would like to challenge us all to try to do in 2024. And I feel... I feel like this challenge, like there's a part of me that's kind of excited to like, hey, let's do this together. But there's another part of me that's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, you're probably not even going to accomplish it. And half of the people who hear you are not even going to care. They're not even going to attempt to do it. So you're probably just wasting your time. Maybe I'm a little jaded. Maybe I'm a little, you know, maybe, maybe, and maybe there's a reason I'm a little jaded. Maybe there's a reason I'm a little cynical, right? Because I can remember, I don't know the exact year. I don't know the exact year. It had to be around 2001, 2002. It had to be somewhere in there. Someone at church told me about a website called Sermon Audio. And I went and looked at it. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is just sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. And I can't remember if they said it 
or if I said it, I don't know exactly which one of us, but we said something about, it wouldn't be awesome if we could like get our sermons on this website. I'm like, well, how do we do that? I don't know. I don't know. So we're like, well, maybe we can record our sermons like on a cassette. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, how do we then get them to, and then there was this, I don't even remember who it was. I think it was an individual. And basically you sent the cassettes to him and then he digitized the cassette and then uploaded it to Sermon Audio for you. We had to pay them. I can't remember how much money we paid them per cassette. And that's how we got our first sermons on Sermon Audio. But from the very first time I saw the site, the very first time I saw anything with it, I there was like, I was blown away. I'm like, this just sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. It's like, I, I mean, it's it's like a kid in a candy store, right? It's like it's like you have all the ice cream you want, all the pizza you want, but it's all spiritual food. You can just partake hour after hour after hour after hour after hour after hour, literally twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and you can never even listen to everything. So I was like blown away. And I remember trying to get other people to go, go to sermonaudio.com, go to sermonaudio.com, go to sermonaudio.com. And I I felt I can't say I can't say dogmatically how most people handled it, but I will say I believe the majority was kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's there. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. But they weren't really, they didn't have the same excitement. And I kept thinking, that's a lot of spiritual food. Now, and I'm not saying if they went and partook of the spiritual food, they were all of a sudden going to become more spiritual. And the ones who listened were more spiritual than those who are not. I think that's just a ridiculous, very fleshly way of looking at it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, someone, someone in, in chat just said, you could literally never hear it all. You, can, you can't. You just literally can never hear it all. And I just, I just know that I was blown away by it. Now, unfortunately, I was blown away by it, but I even realized that myself didn't always take advantage of it. I didn't always take advantage of it because it kind of became more about making sure people were listening to me. <laughs> okay, it probably, it probably became more self-centered than it should have been, right? I, I can't, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to over-exaggerate any of my failures, but you don't want to downplay your failures either. There, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes and a lot of, I mean, I mean, come on, I can't speak for your life, but my life has been made up and filled with failures and, and sin and pride and ego and, and just all kinds of mistakes. I mean, I've made a million mistakes. I'll be the first to admit it. But the more mistakes you, you make, the more, the more you realize your sin, the more you need spiritual food and need the hearing of the word of God. You need to hear it. So, um, but I tried and tried and it just felt like people just don't, just did not care. And I feel that we're we're fast approaching 2024 and we've got so much available to us today forget the spiritual we've got so much available just on every subject under the sun you can download any podcasting app and you can't you don't even know where to begin there's so many podcasts there's a podcast on every subject under the sun and then we've got you can you can chat with an ai chat box you can watch any movie that basically has ever been made you can listen to any song that's ever been made you literally are drowning in content there is so much but the more there is, the more we take for granted. The more there is, the more we get distracted. And the more there is, sometimes what falls to the wayside is that which is spiritual, that which is beneficial to us from a spiritual perspective. And I cannot speak for you. My sinful nature tends to always exert the greatest influence over me, the greatest power over me. 
And it always pulls me away from that which is spiritual to that which is fleshly, that which is temporal, that which is material, that which is pleasure giving now and not worried about the eternal. So I I know how much I need to hear preaching and teaching and how much I need to get my mind on the word of God. Now, that's no guarantee that I'm going to be super spiritual. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I need that. Now, we've talked about that sometimes I become, again, very jaded over our sermons really worth it. Like, I mean, when it comes to the local church, how many people go to church and then forget the sermon? I mean, the, the statistics there are disturbing. You can preach something on a win, like tonight, I'll be preaching something tonight, right? I'm going to be dealing with a one word, a concept. And I guarantee you, by, there's a high probability by Sunday, if I was to ask just basic follow-up questions on what I preached on Sunday, <laughs> No one's going to remember. So then you're like, what's even the point? Well, maybe the point is that's what we're supposed to do, whether we like it or don't like it. So, so, so what we're going to do, what I'm going to do here in a minute is I'm going to put forth a challenge of something I'm going to challenge you, me, and everyone who will hear this to participate in in 2024. And it's going to involve, well, the sermon audio platform, the sermons 2.0 app specifically. And it's going to involve and listening to teaching and sermons and things of that nature. All right. But before we get to the challenge, let's offer a little scriptural basis for it. First, a key verse. It's been a key verse in my life, a key verse in everything I do from podcasting to church. Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, we read these words. Now, now that he ascended, uh, what is, okay. Now that he ascended, what is it but he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave, speaking of Christ, right? He's the one who descended. He's the one who ascended. He gave some, and obviously he gives this to the church in general. To, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And all of them are teaching offices. Now, whether some of those offices exist or don't exist, I'm not here to get into that debate, but they're all teaching offices. The church has always needed those teachers to teach, expound, exegete, proclaim the scriptures. And why did he give apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Verse 12, for the, this is Ephesians 4.12, for the perfecting, for the perfecting of the saints. Some will translate that for the equipping of the saints. We are, in a sense, perfected spiritually. We are made complete. We are made where we're not lacking anything spiritually. The way you're going to reach a position where you're not lacking anything spiritually, the way you're going to be thoroughly equipped is through the preaching and teaching of God's word. So for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, the body of Christ is to be built up through the proclamation of scripture, of the word of God. And this preaching and this teaching should continue until we all come in the unity of the faith. Now, at this point, we need more preaching than ever because we're more dis, (laughs) there's more disunity than there is unity. But in theory, preaching should produce, produce unity, not disunity. Now, the reason it produces so much disunity is a, well, that's a whole different podcast, but clearly we still need preaching, right? Until we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. 
This is someone not lacking anything. Unto the measure of the uh, of stature, stature of the fullness of Christ. We need preaching and we need more of it. We need more of it until we reach a, a, a maturity that we are thoroughly equipped. Till Now listen, that we, so this preaching should mature us, perfect us, equip us. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay, lie wait uh, to deceive. We need the preaching so we're no longer tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and that we reach a point where we're no longer going to be deceived. This is all from the preaching of God's word. We need that. And then there's another passage, very famous, that this, I'm going to read, I'm going to read a bunch of this one. We're going to go to 2 Timothy. We're going to start in chapter 3, then we'll move to chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Hey, if the perilous times described here are not here yet, they are on their way. Don't know if they're going to be here tomorrow, next week, next month, or in 2024, but they're on their way. And what's going to describe these perilous times? Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, remember what I say about this passage all the time. That is not describing the world. That is describing the church. The church, the church constantly needs preaching because it's through preaching that's supposed to equip, supposed to bring unity. It's supposed to keep us being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. But the church is made up of sinners who have a sinful nature. And because we have that sinful nature, sometimes the preaching goes in one ear and out the other. We disregard it. We take it for granted. And we don't take advantage of all the spiritual food that is before us. So we go do our own thing. We partake of junk food. We become spiritually apathetic, spiritually complacent. We become spiritually spiritually unhealthy. And then that unhealthiness manifests itself in really bad ways. So when the church gets like this, what do you do when the church gets this bad? When they're tradey, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. The church is going to be a total absolute disaster. So then it, it, there's a lot here that goes on. We could talk more about what's happening. And then look at what it says here. Um, all scripture. Now, all of a sudden in, in 2 Timothy 3.16, the focus becomes on scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So if preaching is supposed to be equipping and perfecting and keeping you from being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, well, this tells you what they're supposed to be preaching if they're going to accomplish that. They're supposed to be preaching scripture. Why? Because it is the scriptures that a man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. It is the scriptures that are the one that is there to uh, all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Preaching, if it's going to do its job, must be the preaching of Scripture. And then what does Paul tell Timothy here? Hey, when you see how bad it's going to get, then what does he say in 2 Timothy 4.1? I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Meaning you preach 
when it's in season, when it's popular, when everybody's like, yeah, I want a sermon. And when it's out of season, people are like, I don't really care. I don't really care that there's a million sermons available on a website. I don't really care. I got better things to do. All right. But what does he say? Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come that they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Well, guess what? There may come a time they're not going to listen. They don't care. Guess what you're supposed to do? Keep preaching. Keep preaching. You keep you you put the preaching out there. You just put the preaching out there. Now that's easy for me to say. That's easy for me to say. It's sometimes much harder to do because at some point you're like nobody seems to care. Nobody's listening. Nobody's paying any attention. What's even the point? People get mad. They turn away. They leave. They so what's the point? Well, that's when I make the point about me more than maybe about what it should be. But the scriptures make it very clear. It's the proclamation and preaching of God's word. Now, I believe 2024 is going to be an absolute disaster of a year. It's going to be chaos, turmoil, train wreck, fire. Uh, well, I and mean, I'm just using you know, terms to, to describe it. I'm not speaking in a literal way, in a figurative way. Uh, not, I'm not even really being that hyperbolic. It's going to be just, a, I think, a total disaster. The church is more disuni- dis- disconnected and, and divided and there's such disunity maybe than at any time forever. I think the church has become corrupt and being hijacked by political uh, ideology. I think the church is a mess. I think Christians have become spiritually apathetic and complacent. I think there's a mess everywhere around us. And, and, and we can come up with every kind of solution in the world. But the only solution I can say is we need the preaching and teaching of God's word. We need to be people invested in the book, living in the book, breathing the book, drinking in the book, talking about the book, and doing everything possible. And this is not about how to get people to listen to me. It's not about how to get people to listen to this podcast. It's not about how people to get to participate in Bible study exercises or the Bible pop quiz or whatever we offer. Forget me. This is not even about act as if this podcast does not exist. Act like this podcast is not going to exist 24 hours from now. The challenge is not about you listening to me. The challenge is the complete opposite of that. So here's what I want you to do. 2024 is right around the corner. I want you, if you have not, to download the Sermons 2.0 app. Google Play or the Apple App Store. Sermons 2.0. Once you download that app, sign up. I think you have to, I think you put an email, whatever you have to do. And then you can start. You can, if you want, as you're going through. Well, I know I don't even do that at first. Just sign up for the app, all right? Just sign up for the app. I'll tell you uh, what I was the step I was going to get ready to, to give you. I'll tell you later, all right? But here's what I want you to do. Starting on January 1, 2024, one time each day, I want you to open up the Sermons 2.0 app, And I want you to choose at random. I want it to be as random as possible a sermon. I don't want you to look out your, I don't want you to look out for what kind of church it is. I don't want you to look at, I just want you to do random. What I love to do, I'm going to grab my iPad here really quick. In fact, I did this right before we went on the air, but I opened up the Sermons 2.0 app. 
Now, I closed it, so it's going to be different now because this is what happens, all right? So I opened up the Sermons 2.0 app. I'm going down to the Discover tab. I'm tapping Discover. And at the very top, it says Newest Sermons, and I'm going to click on that. All right. Oh, it's still the same newest sermon that was there earlier. All right. So I just, I do that and then I just grab the first one. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. And this one is called the ratification. The ratification. In fact, we're going to listen to it a little bit, a little bit of it together. We're going to, we're going to do a little mini sermon review. We're not going to review the whole thing, but just to give you the idea of what we're going to do. All right. So I, I just open, and that's what I want you to do each day. Just one time a day, just open it up and just pick at random. All right. Now, there's one other thing you could do. So that's that's really kind of challenge number one. Just open it up, pick from random. I guess there's a second part of the challenge. If you follow along with us here at Theology Central, you know we're going to be following the historical lectionary throughout 2024, which means on a weekday, there's going to be three readings, an Old Testament reading, well, two readings, an Old Testament reading and a gospel reading. And of course, there's a psalm. We don't always focus on the psalm, but so we'll just call it three readings. I know that that's not like technically the way it's classified, but we're just using the scripture. So we're going to say three readings. We have an Old Testament, a psalm, right? And then a gospel reading. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday, you have four. You have the Old Testament, the psalm, an epistle, and a gospel. And I'm going to be preaching, teaching that those those scriptures may show up in devotionals, today's focus, Bible pop quiz, may turn into, we may use something there for a Bible exercise. Who knows? It's going to show up over and over and over. So you can either just open up the app, boom, just grab one random, and I want you to do that frequently. But then other times you can then do a search for whatever the lectionary reading is for that day or that week, right? Depending if you're going to look at the lectionary every single day or if we're going to just really focus on the Sunday lectionary, which we may do that a lot of times. Whichever thing we're focusing on, you just go pick a random sermon that's preached on one of those scriptures. But the key is one time a day, you open up the app and you pick as random as humanly possible. Don't look for a favorite. Don't look for any, don't look for what the title that sounds cool. Just random and whatever it is, you listen to it. If you can, take notes. If you can't, if you're driving, whatever. And then if you, if possible, talk to someone about it. Talk to someone. Talk to, I mean, obviously, if you're married, talk to the person you're married to, right? Talk to someone. If you got a friend at work, talk to them at work. Talk, any, or if you got someone at church who will do, who will participate in the activity. And, and that means, I'm not telling you to go look for me. See, I'm not telling you to do a search for Theology Central. No, 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 no. This is not about increasing listeners for me. This is about you getting exposed to different teaching and different preachers and different messages and different perspectives Every single day, every single day of the year, one time a day. Now, if you fall behind and you don't get one done on a certain day, that's okay. Just next day, just start again. If if you have a day where you have a little extra time, then you may listen two or three and make up for it. And and you and just keep a list, like you could. You could if you have a notebook. You could just write down the sermon you listen to, the time you listen to it, and maybe you could write out one sentence or just one thing that stood out. You're not really adding a critique. You just write something and then go to number and then number two and then keep that. And at the end of the year, the year, the end of 2024, you can say, I listened to well over 300. So if you made it every day of the year, but 
you listen to 200, 300, 100, however many you make it, and you'll have a list of them and a brief summary of what you gained from it. Just a brief, just like a, you know, uh, just, I mean, just make it a, a, a summary sentence if you can summarize it. Or, or just something that, even if you don't really have a good way of summarizing the sermon, one point that stood out to you, even if you don't have a point, the scripture that was read, something, you literally will have a record of every sermon you listen to. And hopefully one thing you got from it. Even if it's just a scripture reference, write the whole scripture reference out there in your notebook. Now, if you have time, obviously, I, on, on the first page, you're just keeping track of the sermons with the summary. So you sa- save about five, maybe 10 pages if you need to just write your, the title of the sermon, the time, the date, and, a, and your summary sentence. Just, and, but then the rest of the notebook you can have for notes. Now, if you number the pages, then right next to the sermon you list, you can put which page in your notebook is the, uh, is the sermon notes, if you have the ability to take notes. Many of you will not take notes, and that's fine. You'll listen to it on your drive or while you're going to work. That's perfectly okay. But when you get home or when you get to work, if you can carry your, uh, you know, your notebook with you, just write it down. I think that's a, I think that's a, I think that's a good idea. I'm I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to try to do it. I, and again, I don't know how successful I'm going to be. Am I saying that when we get down to the end of the year, this is the thing we don't want to do? We don't want to pat ourselves on the back and go, "Whoo, how many sermons I listened to? How many did you? I listen to more preaching than you. I'm more godly than you. I know more than you. If if that's the end result after a year of listening to sermons, you probably need to find a new hobby. It is not to puff up. It is not to exalt. It is to equip, to perfect. And that means hopefully developing a humble, broken, teachable attitude, not an arrogant, prideful one. When preaching and teaching makes you prideful, puffed up, and arrogant, then something went horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. It means your sinful nature hijacked the preaching. So you can you you can you can mix and you can mix and match the the different ways of doing this. Just open up the sermons 2.0 app, go to the discover tab, hit newest sermons, grab the first one. Don't even pay any just don't even just the first one. You don't even have a chance. The other way is wait, uh Theology Central, they're following the lectionary. Uh, for example, the lectionary reading, the lectionary readings for Sunday, this coming Sunday. Let me open up here, this, uh, let's see, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. All right, the readings are, uh, so well, one of them's from the Apocrypha, so we'll skip that one. Psalm 128, and then Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 21, and then Genesis, uh, oh, wait, what just happened? Oh, this must have an, uh, a, multiple readings, multiple possible readings for this one. This offers a lot. Of, there's a lot of possible readings. So you can break this down any way you want, but I'll just throw them all out at you, okay? One's from the Apocrypha. We'll, we'll skip that one. All right, so Psalm 128, Colossians 3, 12 through 21, Genesis 15, 1 through 6, and 21, 1 through 3, Psalm 105. Oh, it depends on which year, which year, and I think it's year B. Okay, but that's okay. That's okay. I'll just give you all the possible ones. Psalm 128, Colossians 3, 12 through 21. Um, Genesis 15, 1 through 6, 21, 1 through 3. 
Psalm 105, uh, Hebrews 11, 8, 11 through 12, 17 through 19, or you could just say Hebrews 11, 8 through 19, and then Luke 2, 22 through 40. Luke 2, 22 through 40. All right. That's a lot of scriptures to choose from. You pick which scripture that you're like, ah, oh, that's the scripture I think I'm going to, I'm going to focus on. And then you just open up the Sermons 2.0 app and just do a search for that scripture, that scripture reference. And then boom, you just listen just at random. Don't, don't look, don't, don't look. Even if you know the name of, uh, and you're like, ah, oh, I didn't like the last sermon I heard from him. It's irrelevant. Don't focus on that. It's not about personalities. It's not about names. It's not about the name of churches. It's not about whether reform, non-reform doesn't matter. It's just about hearing preaching. And then you get to hear how someone approached the text. And I always approach sermons as they are putting forth their theological and their interpretive hypotheses. And then you take that and then you can meditate on it and think about it. You may have chance to do some study on it, but you may be challenged. Who knows? But in either way, you heard the preaching of God's word for that time period, whether 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, your focus was on that. And then in your notebook, you write down the name of the sermon. So for example, I'm just going to give you an example. So if we, if I was doing this today, I opened up the Sermons 2.0 app. Boom. I would write down the ratification. I may want to put today's date, 12-27-23. I may, not, I may write down the name of the church, Anchor Baptist Church. I could put the name of the pastor, Shane Rice. It does not give me... Does it give me scripture? Yes, and I could put Judges 6, 33 through 40. So I could put the ratification, Anchor Baptist Church. I'm not so much worried about the name of the, of the person who preaches it. And then I could put the date, right? I, I got that. So the ratification, 12, uh, 27, 23, uh, Anchor Baptist Church, the text, Judges 6, 33 through 40. And then after I listen, I could write, if I take notes, my notes would be somewhere else in my notebook. Uh, and then I would write down which page I put those notes on next to this description. And then I could write just a one sentence summary of what I got from it. So if we were doing this today, for me, now everyone would, will be different because you're going to choose different random sermons, right? You're going to choose different random ones probably, right? You just choose at random. Just again, you don't want to think it through. It's not a, it's not like you're going through the buffet going, oh, that looks good. That looks good. No, it's just so that you're going to hear whatever you're going to hear. You have no idea what it's going to be, which I think will make it more fun, more interesting, more, we'll change it up every, every day. You don't know, you're going to get something different. So for today, if you were doing this and let's say we picked the same ones, well, we would have heard this. Let's listen to a little bit of this just to show you how this would work. If you have your Bibles, open up to Judges, chapter number six. We're going to continue in our lessons on, on Gideon. And uh, you notice we got everything set up here. It's a little different. No, I'm not cooking breakfast for you this morning. And uh, you'll be grateful for that. Although, actually, one of the few things that I can cook is eggs, okay? That's about it. That's about the limit of what I cook. Uh, but uh, I've never cooked them on a large scale, so you really don't want me to do that. Um, besides, I see there's a box of cornflakes over there, and I'm more of a Rice Krispies kind of guy, okay? Um, so, the dump dump. All right, Judges, chapter number 6, and uh, moving right along. And Gideon, next week I will have a, a Christmas, uh, a special Christmas 
Sunday school lesson that will look at some things pertaining really to the Christmas story of Jesus being born and coming to the world and, and things of that nature. Uh, but we'll continue this morning in Gideon uh, and verse number, chapter number 6 and verse number 33, the Bible says this, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiazar was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout Manassas, unto also what, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher, and unto Zebulun, and unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early in, on the morrow, and thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father. Okay. Now, I don't know. Immediately, like if I was listening to this sermon and I was taking notes, I would immediately hit pause and go, okay. I may write something on my notebook like, which direction will he go? Is he going to put forth some kind of argument that you and I should have our own type of fleece right? Whenever we're asking God for something, we can say, Lord, do this or do that to show me that this is what you want. Like we almost use this as an instruction manual that when we need God to do something and we're trying to figure out what God to do for God to do something, and we're not sure he's going to act. We're not sure we can put down in a sense, our own metaphorical fleece and say, okay, Lord, make this happen. Let it be wet. Let it be dry. And then God will do that, prove to us what he's going to do. And this will encourage us and increase our faith. Is this an instruction manual and how to do that? Or is there, is that the application? Is he going to go that direction or is he going to go of a different direction? If he's going to go in a different direction, which direction do I think he's going to go? Well, to be honest, I don't know which direction he's going to go. I, what my mind is thinking, if I had to preach on this text, I don't even know which direction I would go because it's not one of those texts that I think is easily applicable. I think we can do some real damage and trying to act like this is an instruction manual on what to do because I think it can lead people to great despair and confusion because things don't work out the way they want to and God doesn't give them the, the, the fleece is not wet, the fleece is not dry, the ground is not wet, the ground is not dry. You don't got anything. In fact, the fleece got carried away by a bird and you come back and there's no fleece, there's no, there's no dew on the ground and you're like, what just happened? So, I'm, I see immediately I've got something here. See, I don't know which way the sermon's going to go. I may completely disagree with it by the end, but guess what? I now I have. I, I've already got. Whoa, I got. I got some things to think about here, right? 
I got, would that be a lack of faith? Would it be faith? I go, how, how would I understand this? And then I can go back to verse 33. And then I've got, I've got the Midian, Midianites. What do I know about the Midianites? The Amalekites. What do I know about them? Uh, I've got the Valley of Jezreel. What do I know about that? Um, and then I've got, uh, Abiezer. What do I, who do, what do I know about Abiezer? I don't even know if I know anything about Abiezer. And then I've got, uh, throughout all Manasseh, uh, Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali. I've got all of these names and places and people. Even if I don't have time to do anything else, even even if I don't get much from the sermon, I can be like, well, you know what? I'm going to grab a dictionary and at least I'll look one of these up and just write down in my notes. Hey, I listened to this sermon, didn't get much from the sermon, but I was given these names in the text. So here's the, and just write something down. And, and then maybe in my summary, I'd be like, listen to the, I would write down the name of the sermon, the date, the scripture. And I may say, didn't really get much from it, but he mentioned in verse 33, I'll uh, name these places and I'm going to look one of these up. Or I may just say, you know, um, I don't, I, I, I didn't really get much from the sermon, but I'm left with a, a perplexing question on how applicable is this and how would one apply this if I was to apply it? Sometimes I may just write, write down what I just didn't get from it, but just make it simple. Now let, we'll listen to a little bit more and just see if he gives us a hint in which direction he's going to go. Is he just going to retell the story and then not give much application? Or is he going to immediately go into application? What is he going to do? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the privilege that we have to be gathered in your house. Father, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can and help us, Father, as we look into your word, help us to uh, learn from you and to grow closer to you. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we look at this this portion, it's a very well-known portion and uh, and the title of the lesson this morning is the ratification, and I had to look that up. I thought ratification, uh, and so the ratify means to sign or give formal consent to an agreement, and so really it's God's ratification or signing or giving complete confirmation to Gideon uh, in this job that he is about to do. God is asking Gideon to do a very serious job, and this is not a small task with nominal consequences. Uh, I don't mean to belittle by any stretch, but this is not teaching a Sunday school class, all right? Taking up arms uh, and going against an invading country uh, and causing really war and standing up against those was really a huge task, and it was really a life threatening task in a lot of regards. And God is really asking Gideon to to literally put his life on the line. And so as a result of that, we find that uh, Gideon needs a lot of reassurance there. There needs to be uh, the fact that, hey, we know that this is straight from God. And so uh, that is really the essence of what we're looking at this morning is God really confirming and verifying that, hey, this is what God wants Gideon to do. And so notice the very first thing, the fortifying of the spirit, uh, the fortifying of the spirit. Uh, look with me in verse number 34. The Bible says, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Let me just stop there and, mo- and mention this. The Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament, just as he is in the New Testament. 
sometimes we tend to overlook those things. Sometimes we tend not to focus on those things. But can I assure you this morning that the Holy Spirit of God is just as active in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, we could go all the way back to creation uh, when everything started and we see that the Holy Spirit was active in creation. He was active throughout the Old Testament. He was active in the New Testament and, and he's active even today in our lives. And the Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Father and just as much God as God the Son. We do believe in the Trinity. Uh, and the Bible tells us very clearly, 1 John 5, 7, that, these, that there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Now we could stop right there. <laughs> and, and right now, like, right, I, I could already stop. I could already stop this sermon right there, even if I wasn't able to listen to the rest. And he just gave me enough to spend all day working on, right? Because if, I don't know if you know the controversy of first John five, seven, uh, first John five, seven. I'm going to go to the uh, King James because that's what he's reading from first John five, seven, where we read, uh, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. That's 1 John 5, 7. I'm going to reach down, grab a different Bible. I'm going to grab a different Bible. 1 John 5, 7. I'm going to read from a different translation. 1 John 5, 7. Are you ready? For there are three that testify the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. For there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood. The King James has it, for there are three that bear record, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Radically different. There is much controversy about 1 John 5, 7. Is it belong there? Does it not belong there? How did it end up there? Why do so many other manuscripts disagree with it? Oh, you could spend the day working on that. So he mentioned it. Now he's not, he's not going to mention the controversy. So obviously I could offer a criticism there if we're doing a full blown sermon review that he's not going to tell the people there, Hey, there's a problem. And then if they, and then, and again, that's, that's one of the frustrating parts, right? Because preaching is supposed to equip people so they're no longer tossed to, to and fro with every wind of doctrine. But people are going to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine if a pastor reads 1 John 5, 7, doesn't mention the controversy, and then they go look in a commentary or a study Bible, and, and they'll be like, most manuscripts don't have this. Some believe it doesn't even belong there. Well, then they're going to be like, wait, what's going on? That has to be dealt with in the sermons. It has to be. But neither here nor there. He at least brought it up. He at least brought it up. Now, I'm very curious now, he's mentioning the Spirit. Now, oh, I've got questions. I've got questions. Let's just see. We'll, we'll let this play out. Remember, this is just to show you how we would be utilizing this if, if you are willing to participate in the 2024 Sermons 2.0 App Challenge. Because, well, I mean, this, I, just, I just picked this one at random and already I've got... I mean, there's so many different directions we could go. We literally, this one sermon could keep me busy for six months. I mean, literally, and, and that's not even an exaggeration. And we've only like reviewed just a few minutes of it. And he's already given me now plenty of things that we could just work on and work on and work on and dig in and dig in. And, and I mean, we could spend 2024 20, probably on just the first 15 minutes of this sermon. And yeah, I'm not even exaggerating, but let's, let's continue. 
And while that verse very plainly and clearly wraps it up in one nice little neat package for us, if you read your Bible with your eyes wide open and with your mind wide open and with your heart wide open, you will find that the Holy Spirit is active in all through the entirety of the Bible. And so I say that to say this because some people do not believe that the Spirit is a person of the Godhead, of the Trinity. Matter of fact, many people believe, many religions teach uh, that the Spirit is just a force that works. Uh, But the Holy Spirit is indeed a person of the Trinity. And so we need to understand that. And we can see that, that that the Spirit comes upon Gideon. And so uh, understand that we believe in the Trinity. And the Bible clearly lays that out for us all through the Scripture. But notice the instance of the fortifying. If you notice in verse number 33, the Bible says, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. And, uh, and so here we have the, the instant of the fortifying. Hey, the, the, the Midianites had come in and, uh, and it, was, it was time for them to take over. You notice we, we looked at just a couple of weeks back, what was Gideon doing when God first came to him? He was threshing some wheat or some grain. And so what does that tell us? Hey, the time was right around a harvest time, at least some kind of harvest of some kind of crops that was being harvested. And uh, as you think about that, and when you read and study these things and you think about all of them, understand this, the Midianites probably would allow the, the Israelites to go out and plow their fields. Then they would allow them to plant all the seed. I mean, after all, why not? Why go do all that work when you can just allow the Israelites to do that work? And then you sweep in at harvest time and uh, maybe even you let them harvest it. And then you sweep in after they've harvested it, maybe even after they've threshed it. And you just pick up all the gold that's left over. I mean, you've, you've really saved yourself a lot of work. And so the Midianites... Uh, are swooping in. And here they come into Israel because, hey, there is a time of harvest that is taking place. And, uh, and so they are moving in and, uh, and they are ready to, to steal and to take from the Israelites. You remember the Israelites are in dire straits, really. Uh, and here's why. Because the Midianites for seven years have done this. They come in and they take uh, of the crops, they take of the animals, and the Israelites are in a hard time. And so we see the same thing that's taking place. But I want you to notice in verse number 33, because the Bible says, right after he says that the, 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 uh, the Midianites and the Amalekites have come, the Bible says, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And, uh, and we see the indication here uh, of, the, of the fortifying that, hey, the Spirit came upon Gideon. Uh, one of the fellows, I forget who it was, but he said the, the, the spirit coming upon Gideon was much like clothing him and really uh, an undoing of power that came upon Gideon. Uh, the Old Testament, we don't read of a promise where the Old Testament saints were indwelled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but we do see many times when the Spirit of God does come upon them and move upon them in their life. And- Now, in our Bible study exercise, uh, I I can't remember which study, I challenged that whole perspective right there. 
right? Because we have David after he sins, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Okay, well, it's seeming to imply that the Holy Spirit was with David, not just coming upon him, that it was there. And there's other scriptures that seem to imply that the Holy Spirit indwelt. It's common to say that it did not, but okay. But so the Holy Spirit comes upon him and I say, well, this is for power, all right? Somehow enduing him with some kind of power. But obviously, whatever power he supposedly gets, I find it fascinating that the Spirit comes upon him, but clearly Gideon still has some concern, right? Because he he has to do the whole fleece thing. So whatever, the spirit comes upon him, but it doesn't remove his doubt, doesn't remove his concern, doesn't remove his need to seek proof. So then what did the spirit do or not do here? I, I think, once again, raises some good questions, but let's continue. Let's continue. And we see many supernatural things that take place when the Spirit of God moves upon them. One of the ones that I'm thinking of primarily is that of Samson. Uh, You see that over and over and over in the life of Samson as God does come upon him and he does superhuman things uh, that only God can do. And so we do notice that. And we see the, the instance was, hey, when the Midianites and the Amalekites had moved in to take over. And then we see the the Holy Spirit of God moving upon Gideon. And certainly he needed that. Uh, Not only that, but the indication of the fortifying. Look at what he says in verse number 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Notice, what did he do immediately after? And he blew, and he blew a trumpet. Uh, listen, we, we find that uh, right after uh, the Holy Spirit came upon him, he, he started blowing this trumpet. What's he doing? Is he praising the Lord? No, this is not a trumpet to praise the Lord. Uh, you can use a trumpet to praise the Lord, uh, but, but this is not the occasion that he's using that trumpet many times in Bible. Uh, and even really uh, f- throughout history, trumpets were used in a military essence for a point of of reuniting people or or to sound an alarm that, hey, we're under attack or to allow people to know, hey, this is where we're gathering. There was many uses of a trumpet. And I believe that this usage of the trumpet here, even throughout the context of the passage, we find that it was an, it was an indication of the Spirit of God coming upon him. In other words, hey, you know, God came upon him, and man, he took up the trumpet. Man, we've got to go attack. I mean, he is just automatic. Uh, let's go do this. And, uh, and so he sounds that trumpet. And, and certainly that is an indication there. Uh, of the Spirit of God. And again, that fortifying of the Spirit of God. And then notice the imperativeness. And uh, I said last week, a couple weeks ago. Okay, we'll have to stop there because the goal here is not to do a full sermon review. We're already at 50 minutes. The goal is to just demonstrate that here in just a few minutes of listening, I've already got countless things to think about, meditate on, work on, do further study, look up, do cross-referencing. I've got... I've got a, I've got a meal. I've got a full, a four course meal been handed to me on a silver platter. It's up to me now. Now I can dig in or I can just like whatever. Now, if all you could do was listen, you still would be getting something. Even by the time this is over, we may completely disagree with where he's ultimately heading, right? He's heading ultimately to the fleece. What is he going to do with the fleece? And what is he going to tell us we are to do with this story of Gideon and his fleece? I don't know. I want to know, but we, 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 well, you'll have to go listen. All right. That's called the ratification. 
from Anchor Baptist Church. Look for it on the Sermons 2.0 app, and you can go ahead and start today with a challenge and get a little head start. Go listen to the rest, and then let me know what he does. You can email me. I do. I want you to tell me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I want someone, before I get home from church tonight, to tell me what he did with the fleece. What was his hypothesis on the fleece? What, how did he interpret it? What, how did he apply it? I, I need to know. I need to, I'm, wait, I'm counting on you. But here is my challenge again. Simply stated, go to the Google Play Store, the Apple App Store. Download the Sermons 2.0 app. Boom. Got it. Each day, one time a day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you open the app. You can go to the Discover tab, hit New. Boom. Pick the first sermon. Pick the first sermon. You can open up the, the app on the home and you can pick up the feed. You can hit play on the featured sermon, right? You can pick play on one of the staff picks. You can go to Discover and the Discover tab you have, hang on, what do you have here? On the Discover tab, you have uh, newest sermons, category, scripture, popular topics, staff picks, series picks, uh, newest series. You could just you could just pick anywhere, just pick, boom, and hit play. Just, but you're not looking for a favorite pastor. You're not looking for a, a, your your specific church type. You just hit play. You're not even looking out for the scripture that looks most interesting to you. The the more you look, the more you will you will rob this of the spirit of the challenge. The spirit of the challenge is just for you to hear something that you may not have any. You you're you're, you're being kind of removed from it. It's not you picking. It's just in a sense you're just allowing it to be picked for you. And if you go to newest sermons, I bet you. Okay, uh, hang on, hang on. Let me look. All right, a new one hasn't been added yet, but I'm so any second there's going to be new ones added because there's sermons being added all the time, all the time. So it's always being updated. But just once a day, you just pick one at random, or if you're following us along with the lectionary, whichever reading you're going with, whether it's the daily one or just the weekend one, you pick that whatever scripture it is, and you're like, I'm going to look up a sermon for that. And you, but you just pick the first sermon. You don't look at the name of the churches. You just boom. Now, of course, if it's in a different language, then of course, you know, if it's in Spanish and you can't speak Spanish, all right, then pick an English one. You get the idea. But the key is to do it one time a day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, each, each day, each week, each month, and then you end the year. And remember, in your notebook, you get a notebook. You can call it your Sermons 2.0 App Challenge Notebook. You write down the name of the sermon. Maybe the name of the church, boom. You write down the date, write down the text. Then you just write out a clear, like a one sentence summary of the sermon, right? And if you don't, if, if you don't get anything from it, just write something down. You, you don't have to make, be super creative. And then if you, and then you save about four or five pages in your notebook just to make that list. And then what you do, uh, <laughs> Shouldn't we be able to under, uh, to understand other tongues? Well, according to charismatics, you should. But that, that's a that's a different story. Okay, but and then if, in your notebook, if you're going to take notes on some of the sermons, you just number all the pages in your notebook, and then you can put right next to the list, like page four, and then that tells you page four is where your notes are on that sermon. And then by the end of the year, you could have a list of a sermon per day. You could have a summary, even if you don't have a chance to take notes, and then you'll have all your notes. And you will keep track of the spiritual food you partook of in 2024. Pretty simple task. Now, 
I say pretty simple, pretty simple to, to understand, pretty simple to grasp, pretty simple to map out. Now, you're not, obviously, no, I don't think very few of you are going to have a notebook at the end. It's going to be filled. Your list is going to be filled out. You're going to have notes in each one. And it's going to be one for every day of the, uh, every day of the week of, uh, uh, every day of 2020, every day of the year of 2024. However, I want to state that. But even if you only have a hundred, even if you only have 200, even if you only have 250, guess what? You'll have something tangible in your hands that shows you what you did partake in, that'll be somewhat encouraging. And it will also demonstrate that you made use of this wonderful thing that we have, which is the Sermons 2.0 app. And then you can benefit greatly from it. And this is not about me. Don't even count mine. Mine don't even count. All right. He said, well, then if I'm going to listen to one and uh, then then I won't be listening to you. That's okay. That's okay. If I lose people for this challenge, that's okay. I don't care. I don't care. Because I want you to get daily just this different teaching from different perspectives and to be challenged. So your goal today is listen to that message, the ratification, right? I'm going to go back to it. From Anchor Baptist Church, Shane Rice, Go listen to it all. And then I, I really want someone to email me before, before I get home tonight and say, here is the, his hypothesis on the fleece. Here's how he said we should apply it. All right. There you go. I'll stop. You can email me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. If you think you're going to partake in the challenge, I would love to know. If you're going to get use a notebook and write it down, I'm going to have to get me another, I'm going to, I'm going to find me a notebook for it. I'm going to have to buy me another one, I think. Um, but I'm going to try my best. I, I think I'm going to do a poor job. There's a part of me that says I'm not going to do a great job of this, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try to discipline myself. I'm going to try to discipline myself. I'm going to try. 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 But I'll, I always have a million things I want to do at any given moment of any, any given day. So, but I think I can pull this one off. I think I can. But. I mean, look, if you do pick, well, no, see, the only way you would be able to pick mine is you'd have to be specifically looking for me, which destroys the spirit of the whole thing. The key is to open up the app and just choose at random. If you end up with one of mine, then you can count it. Right? This is randomness. Randomness. Where you're just getting confronted with different voices and different perspectives and different approaches and different interpretive methods and different styles of preaching and that constant variety, I think, will make it much more beneficial for you by the end of the year. All right? Now, we'll do little updates maybe each month to say, how, how is it going? Now, a lot of times, this is what I, I don't know how well this is going to work, but there's going to be many times that my listening is going to be live on the air with you, and we're going to do a sermon review. The only problem is my sermon reviews turn into three or four hours, so, so I don't know how that will all work, oh, but we will see. All right, there you go. If you have any questions about this challenge, email me at newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. It would be wonderful. We could get hundreds of people to participate. And they're using the app and they're gaining from it. And if it benefits the other broadcasters, great, awesome on them. 
people discover maybe some of their favorites and they'll, they'll find a new favorite and, and, and hear some hopefully awesome messages and be challenged, then everyone wins in this. So that, that's what we're hoping. All right. Thanks for listening. That is your 2024 Sermons 2.0 app challenge. Please participate. Most importantly, hopefully you benefit greatly from it. Thanks for listening. God bless.